as the past three weeks, our pastor is playing the role of John. So he is in that character this morning, and um, he is excited about what God has laid on his heart to share this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer, and let's ask him to bless this service from this point on as we pray. Lord, we want to thank you. God, thank you, Lord. God, for redeeming us. Lord, I'm so glad, Lord, when this world looks at us, Lord, all they see is a mess. But, Lord, I'm glad when you look at us. God, you see something precious. God, you see something special. God, you don't throw us away. God, I'm thankful, Lord, that you meet with us. And, God, that you fill this place with your presence this morning, God. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us. God, we give you praise. Give you honor and glory for all that you're going to do today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome back. Welcome back. As a brief reminder, uh, let me tell you what we shared last week. Last week we we learned about the three sets of judgments that have fallen upon this earth during the tribulation period. The tribulation period is the seven-year time of judgment falling upon this planet. A seven-year time of, of God trying to get man's attention. God trying to shake man's confidence in himself and trying to get man to turn back to him. We know that many refuse to repent. Many refuse to repent of their idolatry, of their, of their sorcery, of their fornication, their murders. They refuse to turn to God. Even though the judgments increase in magnitude, even though they increase in intensity, they go from the seven sealed judgments to the seven uh, trumpet judgments to the seven vile judgments or bold judgments that are poured out upon this earth. Increasing in in horrifying fashion man refuses to repent but then we find after this economic system this one world government this one one world religion is judged by god and defeated by god we find revelation 19 13 chapters of judgment from revelation 6 to revelation 19 and now we find a different scene this is a scene in heaven and 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 it's not of judgment it's not of, of pain and suffering. It's, it's a scene of merriment. It's a scene of joy and happiness and excitement and celebration. And I heard this voice. And the voice said, let us rejoice and be glad. For the marriage of the Lamb has come. And his wife hath made herself ready. She is ready. And, and, and the garment that she wears is the righteousness of saints. And oh, as I saw, it is I heard, as I heard the voices in the celebration, I began to think of the weddings that I had been to. I had I I began to think about the weddings in the in, in the life of Abraham, our father, who sent a servant to find a bride for his son. You see, Abraham had a son, a beloved son, who who was looking for a bride. And as Abraham sent this servant to a far country to find a bride for his son, 
he went to this country and he, and he was bearing gifts and he found Rebekah. And Rebekah was willing to go with him. She was willing to, to go marry a man that she had never seen. She was willing to go and be with someone she had never knew before. And I, I can imagine as the servant would look at her and, and as they were traveling all the way back to their homeland, I, I'd imagine as the servant would, would give her gifts and silver and gold and say, honey, there's a lot more of this where we come from. And as the servant goes out, it reminds me of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the servant who is going to every corner of this earth, every, every continent, every country, going everywhere, seeking a bride for God's son. And then I begin to think and remember the, the typical Jewish wedding. You see, we had visited many weddings with, with Jesus. And Jesus has done some crazy stuff at weddings, y'all. I see how the wedding process takes place and how the groom would, would secure the bride with the bride price and there would be an agreement that's made and he would pay the dowry. And as the agreement is made and the betrothal is made and the acceptance is made and she agrees to be his bride, then he would go to his father's house and he would begin to build a place. He would build a place for his bride. And, and as he was building and preparing his place for the bride, she would be preparing for the wedding. And as, as he was preparing the place, she was preparing herself. And as the place is finished, as the place is finished, then the groom would, would cause a celebration. And he would say, it is done. It is finished. It is time. And then there would be great rejoicing and great celebration. There would be music and laughter. And the, and the ceremonial party would come to the bride's house. And when she heard him coming, when she heard the sound of rejoicing, when she heard the sound of merriment, she would know that it is time. He would come and take his pride, and then they would have a celebration. And boy, as I sat there, and I see this scene taking place in heaven, I see the marriage and the ceremony and the excitement and the joy and the rejoicing. I couldn't help but to think of what Jesus said to us right before he died. You see, we were together, and as we were, we were walking, he caught us all off guard because he was the Messiah. He would feed us when we were hungry. He would calm us when we were scared. There was times out on the ship where, where we thought we were goners for sure. We thought we had gone under, and, 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 and the storm was raging, and the lightning was flashing, and the thunder was rolling, the rain was falling, and water was coming in the boat, and we said, we're going to die. And he steps out on the boat and says, peace, be still. When we had nothing to eat, he took one little lad's lunch and, and, and filled us all. Amazing things. He said we would rule and reign with him. He was our everything. We left our ships. We left our nets. We left everything to follow this man. And now he says, I'm going to die. The sheep 
are going to scatter. The shepherd will be smitten. I'm going to die. I'm going to have to go back to heaven. And boy, we were all broken. We were all so upset because he, he was the Messiah. He was the one we've been waiting for. He was the one that was promised. And now he's going to leave us? And then in the sweetest way you can imagine, in only the way that Jesus could do it, he said, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Because in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And that made me think, Oh, my goodness, that's the marriage. That's the wedding. You see, he has promised us a place. He is going to prepare a place for his bride. Are y'all with me? Say amen. What does this mean? A bride? The, the groom? What, what, is this, what does this mean? Why would he describe why would he describe the church, the saved, the born-again children of God, all of the saved? We're the bride of Christ. Why would he describe that? Why would he use that as an illustration? You see, what most people don't understand is the most intimate relationship known to man is the relationship between husband and wife. Now, I know every relationship's not perfect. I know every relationship is not what God meant it to be, but God meant for the husband and wife to be the closest, most intimate relationship of any relationship on planet Earth. It far surpasses even the relationship between parent and child because a man will leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. It doesn't get any more intimate than that. And we see Jesus wants you to understand he wants you to have a relationship with him. And as the servant is going about, he is inviting you. He is here today inviting you, would you come? The servant is saying, would you come? The Holy Spirit is saying, would you come? The groom is saying, will you marry me? If you'll allow me to step out of character for just one moment. I remember, I remember when I was going to ask Tammy to marry me. I had a cool plan. How many of y'all know things don't always go according to plan? We, we had been dating. My mother-in-law's here, so I got to be careful. Amen. Very short period of time. She found what she wanted, and she wanted to make that happen. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We, <laughs> We were talking about getting married, and, and see, she hadn't even met my parents yet because they lived in South Florida, and we were in South Carolina, and, and so I had this plan. I was, I was going to go, I was going to get, get the ring, and, and we had like a month, and then we was going to go to Florida and visit and introduce everybody and get to meet everybody and, and, and see where I lived in Florida was five minutes from the beach. And how many of y'all know the beach is very romantic? Say Amen. Full moon on the water, the sea foam, say man right there. So I was gonna, I was gonna 
take Tammy. We was going to go for a walk on the beach. I mean, this was all according to plan. And I was going to take the ring, get on one knee in the sand, right on the seashore, moonlight on the water. Are y'all with me? Y'all feeling me right now? All according to plan. This was a great plan. I went. I went. I went to the to the the jeweler and I got the ring. I drove straight to her house and gave it to her. So much for the plan, amen. Talking about impatient, amen. I remember pulling up. I, you may not remember this, but I remember pulling up in the road, and, and you and Sam was in the car, and I, 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 I was so excited to show y'all the ring. I got out of my car to show you the ring, and it was still in drive, and it kept going. Do you remember that? <laughs> and, and, and my mother-in-law, when she saw it, she said, oh, God, what's my daughter getting into? What, oh, help us, Lord. So on that porch, on her mom's porch, on the swing, on the porch. Wasn't a beach, but it would do. Amen. <laughs> I got on my knee and I said, will you marry me? Will you be mine and mine alone? Will you be my best friend forever? And she said, yes. Now watch. Every human being, Jesus is saying, Will you be mine? Will you be my best friend forever? I thought about I thought about how could I explain this in such a way that would not confuse somebody who, who didn't know much about church, didn't know much about the Bible. What do you mean a bride? I'm a man. How can a man be a bride? What does that mean? All it is is symbolic of the relationship that Jesus wants to have with you and you see it's kind of hard it's kind of hard for us to fathom because we're human and we we mess it up so much I, I was preaching about this in the first service and I, I got to thinking how how imperfect that I am with this relationship because see there are people that I don't have time for as crazy as that sounds and as harsh as that sound, but I, I'm only one person. And I can't, I can't be everything for everybody. So, so there are people that I, I, I don't have time for. We have to schedule, we have to do. But there's one person that I'm supposed to have all the time for. Regardless, and, and I've messed that up so much over the years and being and messed up with schedules and priorities and not having my priorities right. But boy, it dawned on me, even in my failure and even as I realized that, God said, but don't worry, I don't never mess that up. And you see, you see, there are people today, there are people today with shallow relationships with Jesus. They know all the songs they know all of the sayings. They know the Christianese language. Are y'all with me? They know. It's amazing to me that I can hear some people pray, and it's almost like they pray, uh, almost like the same by words and, and, and all of that because they've been in it so much, they know what to say. But that's as far as it goes. Do you realize that you have different levels of relationship with people on this earth? 
Everybody has different levels of relationship. I mean, it goes from the deepest level to the most shallow level. You have, you have a relationship with people going down the road. Y'all with me? How many of y'all have ever given a finger wave? Come on, be honest. That's a relationship. That's a type, it's very shallow, I, I admit, but that is a type of relationship. You have relationships with people and you can get, good morning, how are you doing? How was your day? That's very surface talk, but you're close enough to be able to ask that. You're close enough to be able to do that. Then you have a, a deeper, intimate relationship where you are able to talk to somebody about deeper and intimate things, but then you have the most intimate relationship with someone. And the most intimate is supposed to be husband and wife. That you can talk to them and nobody ever on the planet knows anything that them two know together. And you know what? This, 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 this scripture is teaching us that that is the relationship that Jesus wants with you. He doesn't want a surface relationship. He doesn't want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. Paul said that I might know him in the power of his resurrection, in the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know him. Do you realize throughout the Bible that God uses the word know for, for the, the physical, intimate relationship between husband and wife? Throughout the Old Testament it said he knew her and she conceived and bare a son. He knew because that's, that's the most intimate and the word know, to know somebody. And God wants you to know him. He wants you to know his, his love for you. He wants you to know his thoughts for you. He wants you to have a close relationship with you. He desires that for you and me. How is your relationship? How do you, have you accepted his invitation? Have you accepted the offer to be his friend forever? As the bridegroom, have you said yes to Jesus? He desires for you to be his. Just as Tammy said yes to me, you have to say yes to Jesus. But then there was another interesting thing. And I'll say this and we'll be dismissed. But, but you got to get this because this is really important for the saved people in here. If you know you say, you say amen. amen. All right, now watch this, watch this. It says, it says that, that let us rejoice and be glad for the, for the wedding of the lamb is here. The marriage of the lamb has come and her wife, his wife hath made herself ready. Say that with me. She hath made herself ready. ready. And then it says the most interesting thing, that her garment, her garment that she wears is the righteousness of saints. And, and if you look up the word, it's plural, righteousnesses, or good deeds, plural, the deeds that you do. The garment represents your service, your deeds, your life, and your walk here on this earth. Do you understand the garment you wear will be of your own making? As the, as the groom goes to prepare the place for the bride, the bride is preparing her wedding garment for the day of the marriage. Are y'all with me? Now, now, do not get this confused. Do not get this confused uh, with the righteousness of God. This is not the righteousness of God. This is the righteousness of saints. 
The righteousness of God is what we receive at salvation. And you can't work for that. You can't do good enough for that. Because according to the word of God, if you are unsaved and you don't know Jesus, the the greatest deeds you could ever do, our righteousness or our good deeds or our good efforts are as filthy rags in God's eyes. And when it comes to righteousness for salvation, when it comes to righteousness for deliverance, it is the righteousness of God that we receive when we accept Jesus and the blood of Christ washes our sin away. Somebody say amen. We don't come in our righteousness for salvation. We come in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and we receive his righteousness is imputed to us. But that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about our our service for him on this earth, our good deeds. You see, he's preparing a bride. According, I believe it's Ephesians, the word says that he is purifying a bride. And there's going to be a lot of disappointed people at the judgment seat of Christ. Because the judgment seat of Christ takes place before the marriage of the Lamb. And it is there that our service and our works and our life will go through the fire. And according to the word of God, that there will be some that are rewarded and some will suffer loss. What's the point? For those of you who do not know Jesus, I'm inviting you to know him. For those that do know Jesus, I'm inviting you to be ready. Two words. Two words. I want you to leave this service with today. Number one is relationship. Say that with me. Say it again. God desires a relationship with you. More than you could ever imagine and more than you could ever know. He wants to be the greatest, closest, most intimate friend you have ever known. He is the only, by the way, he's the only one that can go even places your own spouse can't go with you. So he desires that relationship. And I want to invite you to a relationship with Jesus today. But then secondly, readiness. Say it with me. Say it again. Say it again. Are you ready? If the trumpet was to sound, if the bridegroom would come, are you ready? Are you ready? Or... Would you be ashamed at his coming? Let's get busy. There's some things that we need to get out of our lives. Now, I'm talking to the saved people here. I'm talking about those that know Jesus, but you're still not ready. You're saved. You're a believer. You've trusted Christ for salvation, but there's some things you need to do. There's some things you need to straighten up. There's some things that we need to, I said we, I got work to do. I got work to do. There's some things I want to get out of my life. There's some things that I want to put in my life. I want to be ready for his return. And all God's people say it. Because you see, this wedding is going to be different than any wedding you've ever been to. I was at a wedding Friday. This Friday. I was at a wedding. I stood beside a, a, a nervous groom. Said he wasn't nervous, 
when you got sweat beads that big, you're nervous, bud. <laughs> Say amen. He stood there, the best man, and there was all kind of chitter-chatter until the music played. The, the, the wedding party come down the aisle, and everybody's still seating. They're still seated. Then all of a sudden, a certain sound that everybody knew. And when that music played, the back doors open, and there she stood. And you know the song, Here Comes the Bride. And all of the glory and all of the focus and all of the praise and honor was pointed to the bride. Now, the groom was there. They didn't care. They wanted to see what she looked like. They wanted to see how she was adorned. They wanted to see how glorious she looked. But you see this wedding we're talking about? It's not going to be about the bride. And they're not glorifying and praising and looking toward the bride. But, and they're not singing, here comes the bride. They're singing, here comes the groom. Because all of the glory and all of the honor and all of the blessing and all of the praise goes to the groom. Because it is the groom who deserves it because of who he is. Not just because of who he is, but what he has done. He has died so we could be redeemed and forgiven. Can we give some praise to the groom this morning? Will you help me? Will you help me? Hallelujah. One day, we're going to see him in all of his glory. We're going to know him even more intimately than we know him right now. And it's going to be a great day. And all of God's people said, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for your, your touch and your mercy. I thank you for your love and your kindness. Lord, I thank you for the invitation that you gave me one day to be yours forever. To be your best friend forever. And God, I'm glad even when I don't act like a best friend, you always treat me like a best friend. And Father, I accepted your invitation. Lord, I pray right now that you'll please just touch those that need to accept your invitation today. They are sitting in this room right now. And they need to accept you. You are asking and the Holy Spirit is touching their heart right now. And you are inviting them to come. You are inviting them to be yours forever. And I pray today they will accept that invitation. I pray that they'll receive that invitation. God, I pray that your blessings will fall today. Lord, I'm praying for those who, who need to be ready. They're saved. They're, they're child they're a child of God, but, but Lord, they're not ready. Their life is not in such a way that they would be happy to see you. Lord, there's some, there's some issues, there's some things we need to work on. I'm praying for every saint in this room 
the Lord needs some encouragement and help in that, that area. Lord, I pray that you'll help us today. If you're here today and you say, Preacher, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. I want to believe in Him with all of my heart. I want to believe in Him with all of my heart. How do I do that? How do I accept that invitation of salvation? The Bible says in Romans 3, 23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. If you're here today and you're breathing air, the Bible says that you're a sinner. If we've, if we've told one little white lie, that makes us a sinner. If we, have, if we have broken one law, we are guilty of them all. And, acor- and according to God's word, we're a sinner. And the Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, sin has to be paid for. But Jesus paid for it so you wouldn't have to. It says, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died so you didn't have to. He died for you. He died instead of you. Well, how do I receive that? How do I accept him? It says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you will call on him today, he will receive you just as you are. Just as you are. If you're ready to do that this moment, if you're ready to do that right now, I will pray with you right now. As every head's bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you sense the Holy Spirit calling you for salvation, you feel that in your heart and you know that's what you need to do, I want you to pray this prayer with me and accept him and believe it with all of your heart this morning. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe with all of my heart that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. I believe Jesus died and rose again. I believe with all of my heart if I ask, he will forgive me. I believe with all of my heart if I ask, he will forgive me. The best I know how. The best I know how. I'm asking now to forgive me, to save me, and to change me. The best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me, to save me, and to change me. In Jesus' name. As every head still bowed.